With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Kings are the Kings! He wins it back to Foley! Scores! No way! No way! With no time remaining! Great pass from Dowdy down. Wagner, down the middle, scores! First career goal, Austin Wagner. Here's Luff looking for his first, scores! Matt Luff, first NHL goal, and the Kings have the lead. What's Luff got to do with it? Hello and welcome to Crown Conversations. Joining me today is a special guest by the name of Sky from Stanley Cup of Chowder, a fellow SVN blog covering all things Boston Bruins. Thanks for joining me, Sky. No problem. Anytime. So, uh, the Boston Bruins have been hot for like the last decade. No surprise there. Uh, they have a crazy Finn in goal. We have a crazy American in goal, so we're both on the crazy spectrum. Um, All goalies have to be a little nuts in order to do their job. That's true, but nobody ever comes at you quite like Tuca or Quick will do. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're, uh, the kind of long fuse kind of players where they're kind of slow and the kind of slow burn it'll take a long time to really get them going but the second they do it's always something interesting i'm not sure i would call quick's fuse slow burning uh at least not when it comes to the sharks i'll put it that way (laughs) well there are there are differences between uh the way the way that the say the bruins deal with some of their issues rather than having to deal with your rival every four or five days or so that I imagine familiarity breeds a lot of contempt. Uh, that it does. The Montreal Canadiens would like to say hello to you. I have words for them, but I'm not going <laughs> to say them on this program. Uh, well, hey, at least you don't have Milan Lucic anymore to threaten people. Well, that's <laughs> funny story. Turns out losing a racist coach actually made him good again. Because apparently he's on some like wild streak. It's... I don't. I don't get what the flames are anymore. Do Do you know what the flames are anymore? Uh, they're a mystery wrapped in a conundrum, wrapped in an enigma. Completely insane. Got it. <laughs> Basically, um, so the Bruins they yes. are they're very good. They have Jesus on their side, so you know all things holy. We have Raccoon Jesus. Yeah. You know. I think it's very interesting that the Los Angeles Kings decided to uh, resurrect the dead and allow Anze Kopitar to never truly receive his rest (laughs) and instead live as a two 
as a two do, uh, two way uh, wonderkind. <laughs> it's it's very interesting to have a star player who is bull, who has two nationalities of <laughs> Slovenian and the grave. <laughs> hey, I, I just think it's, know, I think it's very important for LA to be really uh, heading uh, do things like uh, diversity and whatnot, especially in a sport <laughs> like the NHL. Hey, you know, uh, not, you know, well, it's Hollywood, first of all. Okay, 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 no. Los Angeles is not Hollywood. I have to say that. Anytime somebody equates Hollywood and Los Angeles, no, they're complete, they're two completely different cities. Thank you. They actually are cities and entities unto their own with their own, you know, mayors and everything. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, as a native uh, person of Los Angeles County, it kind of bugs me when people are like, it's Hollywood. I'm like, yeah, no, Hollywood's not the same as Los Angeles. I'm sorry. It's, it's um, like anyway. the same thing as the rest of New England and Boston. It's whenever <laughs> whenever someone brings up uh, New England, it's like, oh, like Boston. It's like, there's more than one city in, the, in six states there, bud. You're, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Did you pay attention in school? I know one city is New Manchester, New Hampshire. Yes, yes, it is. That's the former home of the Monarchs. <laughs> yes. Oh, it was a little sad that they lost their hockey team. They were a good uh, hockey town. They were fun. They were really, really good. And, you know, business is as business does. But I think they yeah. could have probably ponied up for at least a couple more years. Because now the, <laughs> the only opportunity that you can either get now is uh, Maine, which is up in Maine, or... Uh, the Worcester Railers, who nobody really knows who they actually serve. So, <laughs> plus it's inconvenient to drive to Worcester. So, okay, aren't there like? Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't there like six minor league teams or like AHL and ECHL teams in the greater Massachusetts area? Five or six. Um, you can get to Providence, Springfield, Worcester, and Maine fairly quickly if you really wanted to if you really wanted to go to a lot of these games i think i'm missing one but i'm pretty sure all of them are within like two to three hours of each other which you know it, it's a it's funny because there's always enough of a, a market around here for it that just it, it never it never seems like anyone's truly trying to move out it's they're always just trying to rebrand and whenever uh, one team moves out, another team moves in. Like uh, the Sharks used to have their minor league team in Worcester, and then that team moved, and then another team just sprung up, sprung up out of the ground, basically. So it's it's, it's interesting how how this sport just <laughs> can't, just mutates and grows around here from nothing. Uh, don't the Blue Jackets have their affiliate in their AHL affiliate in Springfield now? That's or Florida's. That, oh, it used God. to be. <laughs> they keep changing. I can't keep. Yeah, track of it. <laughs> that's that's the annoying thing about uh, about AHL ECHL hockey is that these teams could go could make wild changes without your note knowing uh, between years. Like for the longest time, the Gladiators in Atlanta were uh, Boston's ECHL team, and I was terrified that they were going to cha change up to like Worcester, and then I'd have to basically let everyone know what this team is about and whether or not they're actually any good. Thankfully, they didn't do anything like that, but I know that uh, 
Springfield has gone through like three or four uh, different groups and have bounced up and down the AHL, ECHL level once or twice. It's really crazy. I guess you could say Springfield is a hotbed of hockey. Mm-hmm. I know nothing about Springfield, Massachusetts. <laughs> I know I know it's a lovely place to be. Well, sure. Shout out to Springfield then. <laughs> Shout out to Springfield, Massachusetts and Springfield, <laughs> Massachusetts only. All right. Well, getting back to Boston, which is a few hours away from Springfield, mm-hmm. uh, the the NHL team, they, they got a yeah. few good players, 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 whatever, you know. Yeah, they have at least three good, really, really good players. You know, they got that Pasternak kid. If you if you're into carbs, you got regular Jesus who performs miracles and gets enough sleep, and 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 you got he just li- he just lives a very perfect life, and we 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 all look at him and go, God, I I need to do I need to do something to better myself, and just seeing him makes you better. That's, that that yeah. is the true this is the true beauty of Patrice Bergeron. It's not that he's very good. It's that he looks at you and makes you better, even if you don't know quite quite how he does it. And that it's must- a good thing too, because his <laughs> his one of his line mates is one of the one of the, one of the one of the more acquired tastes in the NHL. That's where I was going. I was going to say it, that must be because he managed to turn a rat into an excellent hockey player. Funny things have happened. Funnier things have happened. He's what well, it's one of the one of those uh, loaves to fishes sort of scenarios, just with rats, <laughs> just picking up rats and turning them into thirty point thirty assist getters in one year. Look, I, I hear Bergeron is so good at working miracles. All he did was manage to look at one rat in Boston, and it turned into Marchand. Mm. These these rumors are unfounded, but they are true. We'd prefer <laughs> if you just didn't discuss you didn't discuss them out loud. <laughs> so they have a really good top line. Uh, yes, the they Bruins. do. <laughs> um, but depth has always been kind of tricky for Boston. Yes, uh, it has. David Backus, uh, he is Backus in the lineup. Uh, yeah, and they won, so I consider that a smashing success on his part. Yeah, you got hometown. Well, he's not really hometown. Multiple. But. You have multiple hometown boys on this team. <laughs> That's true. They're, but I was, I was going to go for Charlie Coyle. Mm, he is Charlie Coyle of uh, dearest Weymouth. Weymouth. Shoutouts to Weymouth, Massachusetts, and Weymouth, Massachusetts only. <laughs> uh, he's been doing pretty good. He just got himself a nice fat contract extension. I think he's a very good depth player especially considering what they've asked him to be. Um, he's been kind of cold recently, but that's just kind of the way that uh, this season has gone. They, The team will go through a series of everyone is kind of contributing while the top line does everything and can do no wrong, and this team can basically be down 4 nothing and then win 5-4 within five minutes. Or they will run into these every six-week skids which is one of the ones they just came out of uh, where nobody's scoring except the top line and everyone's losing their mind because that's just kind of how they are as a team right now. And Charlie Coyle's indicative of that. He's a fantastic player of hockey when it doesn't require the shooting of the puck, if that makes (laughs) sense. He's a, he's got a good shot. It's just, 
he he's not like an elite level shooter. He's not an elite level like uh, creator of chances. He's just he's just very good at keeping chances down or creating plays, and that and that's where I think Weymouth, Massachusetts, should uh, deserve quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of uh, in interest and uh, especially quite a bit of commendation for the way that he's turned out. So he sounds like he's kind of a defensive specialist. Yeah, you could say that a lot of, about a lot of players on the team. Like <laughs> Danton Heinen is a bit of a defensive specialist. He's a pretty decent uh, winger. The thing is, is that he's not necessarily, you know how most pl- some players who are really good are able to like create space in front of them, get away from guys, kind of force players to come to them. Um, Danton Heinen is that player who forces players to come to them, but then conveniently forgets the ability to make space. He is the thick of it, if you understand what I mean. Like if you got on a if you got on the highway with him, it just it just create bumper to bumper traffic around him. Oh. Which is fine because he can do a lot of the little stuff really well and can uh, continue draw continue uh, shifts and continue offensive uh, offensive zone stuff. The thing is, is that he just can't get shots through because there are like two or three players in front of him at all times. And that's not necessarily his fault. That's just his skill set. Oh, we have one of those on our roster too. Yeah. Uh, actually, we have quite a few of those on our roster. I mean, I'm they're, sure they're, they're all equally as beloved and well-respected as Danton Heinen is in Boston. <laughs> well, I, I laugh only because I know the, the Boston fan base for some reason, somehow or another, I ended up following quite a few Boston fans on Twitter, even. Okay, so this is kind of my like small pet peeve with New England and New England sports is that if it's like if you're even from like the greater general New England area, it's like, okay, one, you have to be a Patriots fan. That's like mandatory. Two, you have to all root for the Bruins and like and the Red Sox. And it's just like, oh, what? It's a very it's, it's, it's a profoundly high energy place. And most of the time, you're mostly following the Patriots so that you know what to talk about when you're at the water cooler. <laughs> New England in all its glory and leaf-peeping attractiveness is a very intriguing place. It's absolutely way. intriguing. There was snow on the ground two days ago, and it's all gone today. It's I'm absolutely absurd. No. <laughs> oh, it, 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 I wish I could actively describe to you how balls out the weather is around here and anyone who's lived in this area can tell you how balls out the weather is out here just because (laughs) of the way that things change i swear it's some special kind of atlantic voodoo that comes out through here and and causes some kind of witchery to occur Uh, no i i get it because right now i live in the bay area and Mm -hmm. so uh, there was somebody said on the radio, it's like, if you don't like the weather, uh, just drive down the block or it was like something like that, because there's, there's so many microclimates caused by the topography and the, uh, all the buildings. It's like, literally you can drive 10 minutes. You'll be in fog, like it's very thick, very dense, heavy fog. And ah, evil fog. We, had that, we had that two days ago. I'm a huge fan <laughs> of evil fog. It's the fog that uh, Stephen King wrote about. 
Yes, that it, it is exact. They're evil fog monsters that come on through. <laughs> they uh, they all inhabit the Dunkin' Donuts and then they leave. Well, that's I think they all work construction. <laughs> they finally had their caffeine, and they didn't have any of that nasty Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't really drink coffee. Oh no. Yeah, oh, no. yeah. It, it, I'm basic. I am very much a moribund human here in New England. <laughs> Are you sure you're even native as a New Englander? Are you sure, Sky? I'm at least capable of pretending I'm a. I am, <laughs> and no one's called me out on it yet. Well, wait till the the Boston people hear you now. <laughs> ah. Good luck. I'm going to be in Nova Scotia with your money. Uh, anyway, back to the hockey team. Of course. Uh, so Boston fans, they all have yeah. their opinion. We'll just put it that way. They're and a passionate they're all, group. They're a very passionate group. They're all correct about their opinion. Oh, You're absolutely. Your opinion, okay? Even if, right. even if they're contradicting each other, they're all correct opinions. Exactly. So anyway, the, the Boston fan base, let's just say that they're all really divided about the depth. So they don't really know what to make about Jake DeBrusque. Sometimes Jake DeBrusque is like, hey, hey, he's awesome. And other times it's like, we need to get rid of Krejci. Krejci sucks. And then other times it's like, ugh, Nordstrom. No, not him again. And I was like, I don't. Like the, the the fan base is so hot and cold from one like one shift to the next. I just like I don't it's understand. A, the team. Um, uh, I have a theory on the way that that happened, but I have no way to really like prove it, or at the very least, like describe it in a way that makes it doesn't make it sound like I'm trying to play armchair psychologist. I think a part of it is, uh, that's kind of the way that the team is. Um, they're very from shift to shift. There's always one line that gets really, really close, gets really, really gets a fantastic shift that everyone can just see the goal happen. And then it doesn't. And then it goes the other way and it either becomes a close call save or a goal against. And that happens. That's been happening more often than not over the past four or five games where they've been just incapable of getting out of their own way. And they, and because of that, you start to really look into the nitty gritty of how these players have been doing shift by shift, because that's how Boston fans think is that you've got to be able to produce. Now you've got to be able to build, to build to success. Now you've got to show us that we're going right back to the Stanley Cup final. And if you don't, what the heck are you doing here? If that makes any sense, because I and, and this is my conspiracy theory is that after, believe it or not, for some of you who who are fans of a team before the 21st century, um, Boston sports was historically very inconsistent, and I think that sort of created this paranoia that if you are not successful for any longer than like two, three, or four years, then you're just collapsing into infinity and you've got to blow it up and start over and you've got to, you cannot let the bad times come back, <laughs> which is, I think, I think the cultural belief that the bad times cannot come back. We're on top and we got to stay there, which that? I can, I can definitely understand. I, I watched those early two thousands Boston Bruins teams. They were an absolute nightmare to watch sometimes. And I no, much no. prefer this to, 
the, to the 2002 Bruins, I'll tell you that much. Uh, yeah, the early aughts were a trying time for the Kings as well. Uh, I'll just put it that way. Mm. We had some great talent, but uh, I think 2002 was when Luke Robitaille, he, I think he got traded to Detroit and then won a cup immediately. So, you know. Uh, that's rough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, <laughs> it, it's just funny the, the way that, because what you were talking about, like, oh my God, we had so many bad years. I, I have couple friends who are from uh, the from New England from the Boston area and and they were like my, I was like okay people need to like chill out and I was telling this to one of my friends and she goes no no but see because we had to live through the 80s this is like our penance this is like you know everything that's come to fruition now so we're just trying to enjoy it while it lasts it's like uh, I don't think that's it, it's, <laughs> it's it's a cultural it, it, I believe it to be a cultural paranoia even if it has like no basis in reality, I sincerely believe uh, that fans who you know are multi-sport uh, fans. They're, you know, they're not just hockey fans, or they're not just uh, basketball fans, they're not just football fans. This New England fandom has gone through decades upon decades of the Pats being garbage until 2001 rolled around, and decades upon decades of the Red Sox breaking your heart until the 2000s rolls around and decades upon decades of the Celtics being pretty good and then going into years where they're just absolute agony and then back up into pretty good and the same thing for the Bruins where they have these really feast or famine decades up until 2009 uh it it really feeds into that feeling of you know we're good we're finally on top we're the best city in the world we've got the best fans in the world but it could all come crashing down at any minute so we got to stay on top of this forever because <laughs> we can't let the bad times come back <laughs> steve bajan is right behind the door he's gonna come in he's i i don't i don't have any problem with steve bajan he was a perfectly serviceable player that's just sort of who i think of in my head when I think of forgettable Bruins teams or forgettable (laughs) Bruins players, rather. Uh, What about Dogovins? Oh yeah. He was a player, (laughs) wasn't he? He, they, I guarantee you they picked him up because he tried to do that wrap around. No, that um, spinner Rooney shootout attempt. And that impressed the Bruins to the point where they traded for him. And then he did nothing. Which kind of stunk because I, I distinctly remember watching him play in the garden during the playoffs and he did one thing really well and then nothing else. It was it was an interesting time, a very interesting time to be a Bruins fan because you learned a lot about who was a depth player in the NHL during the Chiarelli years. I just remember in the 2013 Stanley Cup Final – he had an empty net and somehow managed he to did not get he somehow shot it wide He's <laughs> one of one of the most legendary moments of Bruins depth signings going sideways <laughs> under Peter Chiarelli oh man that was great that that fills with in the moment I was probably so mad at the mad at him I would have personally booked his flight back to Latvia but 
now that I'm now that I'm removed from it for quite a long time now, I, I think I can see the, uh, the 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 comedy of it. Yeah, six and a half years will do that to you. <laughs> yeah, six and a half years going to the cup final, having David Pasternak, that improves a lot of things for you. Yeah, David Pasternak. Well, we're not going to talk about him because we know that he's really good. Well, I, I like talking about, about him. I know. Boston fans can never stop talking about Pasternak. They're, Have you seen his smile? He's a wonderful little <laughs> Czech elf. All he's he wants to do is goal score and have fun. He's the second coming of Jesus, I know, okay? He's, a, he's the second coming of joy as a concept. <laughs> well, it's, I'm, I'm, like a, I'm like a music man just walking up like, hey, kids, here's joy. Two! <laughs> and then... <laughs> And there he is, wonderful and goal scoring and making everyone happy just by being around. I think God, David Pasternak rules. He's the second leading scorer in the NHL right now, isn't he? Uh, I thought he wasn't on top. Did did Dreisaitl go on a run? What happened? What happened? Now I'm talking about goal goals, not points. No, no, I'm I do mean goals. Yeah, okay, and now I have to look still, at He's still on top of twenty-eight. Because oh, uh, I, I thought Ovechkin, uh, I thought he was behind Ovechkin for some reason. No, he no. was uh, behind Ovechkin last year. Oh, okay. Well, the season is still young for Ovechkin to suddenly surprise everybody and score sixty goals. Oh, I'm sure they'll, they'll, he'll they'll rejigger their power play so he'll get ninety percent of them on the power play. It'll be fine. Uh you know, if it works for you, then why bitch about it? Oh, I, I was going to say, be a clean podcast. Why, why complain about it if it works, you know? <laughs> this, is a, this is a family-friendly podcast, unlike anything the Caps do to the Cup. <laughs> All right, so, defense. Uh, yes. The Bruins have the guy with the all the letters in his name that nobody knows how to say. That is Grizzlick. You're, you're, you're getting intimidated by it. It's most... You have to think of it as the E is silent. Just don't look. <laughs> think of the E as silent and the C in the name as a very bendy I. Because then <laughs> because then it just becomes a lot easier. Uh, Grizzly, he's pretty good. He's fast. He's not the biggest player, but he's got a lot of got a lot of intelligence behind him. This is what you get from going to Boston University. <laughs> and not BC. Uh, you mostly go there to get uh, salmonella from the Chipotle. <laughs> I see. So I, I take it you uh, you went to Boston University and not Boston College. <laughs> no, my grades weren't good enough for that. I I couldn't get into any of the big any of the big <laughs> schools around here. I you went to a uh, I went to a small liberal arts you. school in. Yeah, my uh, my mother and my brother went. So oh, yes. Well, you know, as as far as I've been told, the both teams, uh, or sorry, there's a, I guess there's like an intense rivalry between BU and BC, but BC's not even in Boston. Nope. No, it's not. And you okay. should always bring it up. <laughs> Whenever one, you should always discuss, you should always discuss this matter. You should always call them a community college. That's also important because there's nothing that Boston, Boston college fans love more than being put down to the level of Necco or something like that. Oh boy. All right. So how come the Bruins are carrying nine defensemen? 
Um, because they're not, because most of them are actually pretty bad and they've been, <laughs> well, that's not fair. Um, they have, in the past, the Bruins have gone through a lot of defensemen, especially during the first couple years of uh, Bruce Cassidy's uh, tenure as coach. And so I think that sort of created an organizational paranoia to, uh, we can't overextend our rookies. We cannot overextend our first round picks. We got to let them mature. And when they're ready, we can put them into the lineup, especially last year, because they got a very good player in Erhal Vakanainen, who had a very successful year. But it started when he joined the team as a result of an injury. And then two games in, he got concussed by Mark Borowicki, which if I was a general manager, I'd be pulling my hair out having just seen that. And so I think for because they've been carrying nine defensemen, it's sort of a personal uh, comfort blanket, if that makes sense. Just in case um, the system is strong enough that it can, under the right circumstances, handle that. Uh, if you have to swap out players, then you just do it and it'll be fine most of the time. More often than not, it's been uh, for Connor Clifton or another player like Stephen Kampfer. Um, more recently, it's been with John Moore, though I think he should probably be uh, playing as little as possible. Uh, play It's so that, A, you always have a fresh body. B, you always have someone looking to impress someone and to hopefully gain that, that depth spot for good. And C, just in case. It's kind of covering all the bases due to a lot of being burned over the past uh, three or four years. Okay, I get that, but at the same time... I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally... T most of these players are depth level or replacement level, and that's not okay. Okay, and I'm just saying nine seems a little excessive, that's all. It, it is profoundly excess excessive, but you have to understand the Bruins have, under Bruce Cassidy through some cruel trick of the mind, through some cruel trick of fate, just been cycling through players over and over and over again to the point where there was at one point uh, two years ago where most of the, of the top line for the Providence Bruins was playing in Boston, and most of the first couple of pairings were as well. And that really does set set you on edge as an organization. And I can definitely understand why they want to do that. I would just, you know, start swapping the players as to who gets time and who doesn't. Because I think that a couple of them have proven that they're not exactly the player that they thought they were. So we're recording this on Sunday night. Sunday night. Um, who do you think we can expect to see in the lineup on defense of these depth players? Um, last night they had, uh, let me just pull up that Florida game. Uh, they, they have been switching out Connor Clifton and John Moore. Uh, Connor Clifton has been struggling a lot in the, uh, in the uh, times intermittent between the games. Uh, he's been kind of struggling with bigger players. He's been struggling with stronger forechecks. And they've finally been able to get John Moore back in the lineup after he had a 
six-month injury and who promptly went out there and just had a an acceptable third game. But at least in my opinion, uh, John Moore is one of those players who should be playing as little as possible because if you watch him more, you start to recognize the flaws in his game. And I, I think that the 13 minutes that he was given uh, last night were was just fine. That's as, about as much as I was willing to see of him, and he's by f- by far the least the player they played the least on defense last night. So I'm expecting him to be in the lineup because, after all, they just won with him in the lineup. So you mu- you might as well keep riding that hot hand for what it's worth. I think he'll be in the lineup. Grizzlick has been fine. Um, Brandon Carlo and Tori Krug are are perfectly fine, and then the McAvoy Chara pairing will probably be on defense. Don't quote me on that, though. Um, John, the thing is, is that the way that John Moore and Connor Clifton have been playing, it's been very up and down. And if uh, Cassidy doesn't like the way that Moore has been playing or really likes the way that uh, Clifton has been uh, playing in practice, he could easily be swapped in. So I guess time will tell on. Yeah, well, you're going to have. My suggestion is follow uh, Fluto Shinzawa or Marissa Njibi. They'll probably know uh, first thing in the morning who will be uh, playing. Are the Bruins going to have a morning skate? Do they do that anymore? Uh, they still do morning skates, yes. So I guess morning skate will probably be the best indicator. Yeah, yeah. You'll probably just have to uh, double check Twitter by like uh, 10, 11 o'clock and see what that does. They usually have a projected line on the le- on the website too. Okay, ten eleven o'clock your time is when people are getting up, or by the time they get to work, our time. Okay, so so <laughs> should, while, while you're time. while you're having your 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 cup of Joe for the day, <laughs> check Twitter and then set it down and eat your food. <laughs> um, okay, I just have one more question about defense, and then we can move on to goaltending. Um, mm-hmm. World's tallest player, but still human with an amazing heart of gold and looks Slovakian super soldier in a pink bunny suit. Yes. Chara. Zidane Chara. Yeah, he's, you know, he needs his minutes cut from what I understand. Like, you know, he can't play 35 minutes anymore, but cutting him down to 20, 22 a night still makes him a really effective player. And he's what, like 40 now? He is 42. Uh, with I, I believe that the other person in front of him uh, retired last year, so now he is currently one of the oldest, if not the oldest player in the NHL right now. And you are absolutely right. Um, there's a lot of hard miles on, on that body, and especially on his legs. It's honestly astounding to me that he's been able to play like he has been for as long as he does. But I think one of the the big questions that the Bruins have been dealing with with him is that it's not just that he's been effective. It's that he's been so effective, and even at his advanced age, he remains effective enough that when you play him, you're kind of saying, well, if we cut back his minutes, who's going to play instead? Uh, Charlie McAvoy is already his defense partner, and he's already playing – 22, 23, 24, 25 minutes a night, and he's doing both power play and shorthanded time. 
your other option is Brandon Carlo, who doesn't play on that side, or Tori Krug, who is in many ways the exact opposite player as Chara. He's very offense based. He's five nine, which is a big change. Uh, and I think a lot of people are kind of sold on the idea of he will probably have to move on. But I think that it, it's a balancing act that the team has reasonably understood to to get right most of the time because he's he has had his five on five minutes cut. Um, he's way more often taking uh, shorthanded time. Uh, he's in some games that have been especially good for the Bruins. He's been down into the tw- into the twenties, uh, late teens in time on ice, but they still definitely depend on him. And I think next year is going to be a very interesting time for the Bruins because his contract is up and you really can't justify giving a 43 year old player by that point, another $2 million contract, especially considering who you have to sign. Okay. Call me crazy, but you know, if you cut his minutes back to 20, 22, 25 minutes a night, isn't that where your depth is supposed to come in? Uh, yeah, but John Moore is not good at hockey, so I'd prefer him not to do that. And, and more, the, it's more the issue that the Bruins have a logjam on one side on defense, at least going down their depth chart, and that I think they know who they want to put in that role. Um, it's going to be Erho Vakanainen. It's not going to be this year, and it may not be next year, but they like that player. They've called him up multiple times. Um, they definitely see a lot of potential in him. They've done everything they can to signal this is probably going to be our next guy. The problem is is that he's still a rookie, and there's still that logjam on defense that still needs to be figured out. And more and more importantly, you just gotta let him get that one last year in the AHL. the 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 the, def- the depth of the defense right now is almost filler for players who will be playing in the next two or three years who are on the Providence roster right now. So it's one of those things where they're kind of in a holding pattern waiting for the youth to be ready to, you know, take on NHL defense and take on the responsibilities of an NHL uh, forecheck, if that makes any sense. Yeah, kind of in that awkward stage where you don't really want to go out and get somebody but at the same time what you have is not really good enough but your depth in the minor leagues is also not ready so it's kind of like well what do you do yeah and you have at least one pairing that gosh forbid (laughs) uh char falls off a cliff and he can't play anymore you can at the very least rely on Tori Krug and Brandon Carlo to contain uh, an NHL forecheck reasonably well. I'm not saying that he they can do it over an 82-game stretch while, t- while playing 20 minutes a night and also getting power play and shorthanded time. I think that they can hold they can hold the fort down while players that they see some real strengths in come up and become the player that they all know that they can be. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to goaltending. Uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before that, uh, that Tyler Toffoli had that 
really famous last, literally, quite literally, like last second OT goal. Uh, and it was it was an interesting thing because it was a time that Rask was struggling a little bit in net. So he was kind of, well, yes. on that goal at least, he was cheating a little bit so that, you know, he was cheating a little bit to his, if I recall correctly, it was a little bit to his left because I believe it went stick side. And I mean, it was, it was, it was an interesting goal and ultimately it means nothing. I'm sorry, Tyler. Uh, it means something to me. Um, <laughs> but in the grand scheme of things in, you know, for the Bruins, that lost point didn't really mean anything. And that, that goal didn't mean anything to Tuka's stats overall. Right. But just kind of where is he right now? And is he still in a lot of those same habits? Um, I think one of the things that describes Rask's last couple of years, especially is especially the beginning of last year, was that something happened in his personal life that was that no one knows anything about. He left the team for personal reasons. He was not. I don't think he was even seen at practice for a little bit. So no idea what happened there. But once he came back. He was ready to go. He was geared up to win. And he was a much better player from then on out. And a big part of why is that the team has decided that the last couple years of letting Rask play uh, 60, 70, or in, in, in one case almost like 72 games is just not feasible. It's not tenable. And so they got Yaroslav Halak, who has been all over creation, he has been all over the map. He's been especially very spotty in terms of performance, but the underlying numbers say that if he had a defense in front of him for any length of time, he'd be good. And finally, he's in front of a defense, or at the very least a system, that makes him look really good. And what because of that, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> and it, it, it's one of it's it's that thing where you stop sh shots from making it to your goaltender or actively leave the zone. Unfamiliar, I, sorry. <laughs> it's pretty good for the uh, long term uh, health of your hockey team. I highly suggest that you try it. <laughs> yeah, God. But, but anyway, I think <laughs> that the way that they've they've set this up so that it's not necessarily a fifty fifty split. Uh, looking at it, it's more like a 52-48 split. That's still just enough that Tuka Rask was able to go into the playoffs last year and be pretty much almost lights out until right at the very end. But that was a... And he just had a fantastic, a fantastic run. So I think that that is a, a winning formula for them. Um, they've got guys who can be that good in the minors and in their depth. But for right now, I think they've got a very solid tandem. And I like the idea that they don't necessarily need to call either one of their goaltenders their starter. They can just have these two guys that are pretty good at where they are in their careers and succeed on it. You know what I find interesting? I find that the Kings and the Bruins uh, are fairly similar, or at least 
they were built fairly similarly. I mean, like if you look at their their goaltending, like both Quick and Rask have had these super elite lights out moments and people are like, oh my God, this guy is truly elite. But then mm-hmm. it's not sustained and then people are like, this guy is overrated and <laughs> i mean part of that it, is hel- what- it helps if you it hel- it doesn't help if you sign an absolutely exorbitant contract just as just as the it. old guy leaves <laughs> uh yeah a uh, couple more years okay sky just let me have this two more okay. years okay okay i'm not worried i've seen their depth <laughs> you're fine <laughs> Listen, I have had 10 years, almost 10 years. So I have mm-hmm. had like eight years of annoying fans re-upping that tweet. It's just, ugh. I mean, anyway. And then on defense, we've got these um, more versatile guys. You know, they're they're puck movers. And then they're, they have like the one offensive specialist that's kind of, you know, like Tory Krug. And then the guy that you kind of like take a chance on. I mean, we don't have the pure joy of being of having an incredible all-world check score, but you know, we have our own Jesus, and we kind of have our own, um, you know, our own kind of version of of Marchand. Or, well, not really, because no nobody's a version of Marchand except Marchand. <laughs> that is true, and uh, even between the two of them, I think we both know that Dustin Brown is an infinitely more punchable face. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's just interesting. And for the record, or I guess not even for the record, but for what it's worth, the reason why he never gets any sleep is because the Kings can't find him a scoring left winger. Mm. His whole mm. career, uh, having trouble finding wingers. How how interesting. <laughs> Uh, one last thing. Uh, I know I promised that we would stop, but actually, since I'm here, I know it's almost Christmas. We're like a week of to, like a week and a half away, and then I think the roster freeze goes into effect. Yes, uh, a week from to week from Monday, right? Yes. Yes. So, the hot name on the trade rumor in the in the trade rumor mill right now is Tyler Toffoli who could see himself potentially in black and gold wearing the spoke B. I have to clarify that since apparently Pittsburgh stole Boston's colors, according to Boston fans. Uh, it's black and they, they did historically, but they have moved, they have moved to black and yellow. Uh, I, and I can, I can prove it. I, uh, if anyone would like to say, no, it's all yellow. Go get a, go get yourself an RGB color car- card and check. It's not the same thing. You ever gone to you ever gone to uh, Home Depot and seen all <laughs> the same kind of yellow? No, that's what it means. There's a difference. Okay. And if so you have a problem with that, you just are colorblind. I'm sorry. Taylor <laughs> um, Trafoli, he is sort. Of, I don't know how familiar he is with the Boston area, but he kind of um, came. A lot of people like him. They like yeah, the idea of him. Uh, as a Manchester monarch, so I mean, he was probably seen quite frequently, at least by Boston area fans. Yeah, the people. There are people who still remember him as a monarch. You might run into them more in New Hampshire than in the Boston area. And I like the idea of Toffoli. He's got a lot of the things that a Boston fan would like in a Tyler Toffoli. I'm just, 
I personally am one of those people who like going into the underlying numbers. I like learning how players tick. And maybe it's just the, the way that the Kings are right now, and I don't really know how to put that in a way that doesn't make it sound insulting. Um, they, I see a lot of red flags on Tivoli is my problem. Um, okay. it's, the same, it's the same thing that I saw with Wayne Simmons uh, not too long ago, actually last year, is that everyone looked at this player and said, oh, we should get Wayne Simmons. He's everything that a Bruin should be. <laughs> and then I, I, I just look at him and I'm like, dude, he's one of the reasons that the Flyers were as bad as they were. He's not that player anymore. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little afraid given that his goal, that his uh, goals four have been rocketing downwards for quite some time now. And he looks like more of a, uh, of a playmaker to me, at least from the way that I'm looking at it. And he's not exactly as defensively responsible as he used to be. I, I just, I'm looking at a player that, that I absolutely could see Don Sweeney uh, trying to take a chance on. And I, I, I'm I'm a little afraid of the possibility of what could happen if it turns out that this is just where he's at now. But I think that he's a pretty good player. It's just that I'm not sure that's not exactly who the Bruins need right now. They need someone who can finish. They need someone with a with something that while Toffoli has, he hasn't been using as much as as, uh, as other players especially on the wing, especially because he'll probably be playing with David Krejci, who's not the most uh, defensively responsible player in the world, but he could be, he could be pretty good if you gave him the right tools. I'm just, I'm just a little afraid of what they'd give up and what Tyler Toffoli would, would look like in the day in day out of being a Boston Bruin. Cause I know that his deal is pretty long. Yeah, I well, this was uh, a couple months ago, but I I looked at his underlying numbers. So I looked into his uh, his shooting percentage, his goals for his goals for percentage, his goals against everything at the time. All of the rates were in line with his career average. So I okay, I didn't really see anything that uh, in, in fairness. In fairness, I. I, I it had been a while since I checked uh, yeah, I the police mean, stuff, and same. more importantly, I did it at the very beginning of the season, and it did okay. when this when this when these rumors really started taking off, and that was when the Kings were just going through an absolute terror of being just disgustingly bad. So like uh, now that now that I have a, a bigger breadth of what's going on, I could definitely see him as a pretty good Bruin. I'm just not sure that. Um, I, I think one of the things that fans, especially around here, desperately want is finish. They want someone who can shoot and have a quality, scary shot every shift. <laughs> and would you would you say that Tyler Toffoli has one of those? You know, it's interesting because he has been he was known as a sniper. 
when he was mm-hmm. in juniors. Like, I mean, he had a hundred plus points in um, with the Ottawa 67s, his his junior team. Um, mm-hmm. And then he had, I forget how many points he had in the AHL, but he really lit it up down there. Um, mm-hmm. And then he, he had some good moments with the Kings, but they're, they're just, he just never really, in my opinion, really fit into this system. I always felt like they were kind of trying to change his game and make him into something that he wasn't. Like they, they would really preach hard defense with him and, you know, being responsible in your own zone, all that kind of thing. Uh, but he does have good finish, but he is a little bit more of a playmaker. So when I when I did, I mean, admittedly, this was probably at the beginning of November when I looked at, into his stats, and we're now mid-December here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I looked at his stats, what I found something really interesting is that he actually was leading the team at the time in rebound creation, which is um, something that you can find on... I, I can't even remember which site I was looking at. I was looking at so many different sites, but it was probably mm-hmm. at Corsica. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, the, and the one, one, one of the goals that I always point to is his 2014 game winner. Uh, it's uh, the Stanley Cup uh, clinching goal. Gotcha. It, he didn't score the goal. It was a shot off the far pad, and then one of his teammates buried the re- rebound. But that to me is just the epitome of his game. Shoot for a rebound. And that's how they the team largely found success under Daryl Sutter, because Sutter wasn't exactly, you know, getting them into the, the quote unquote dirty areas, if you will. They were more of a, a rebound and chaos type of team under Sutter. So uh, they're trying to kind of find a, a little bit of a new identity under Todd McClellan right now. So I don't know. How I mean, this is early from the trade deadline, which is still, uh, I think, about eight weeks away, because I believe it's mid-February. It might actually be yes, late it, February. It's, it's late February, and we're probably a good... Um, weeks away? Or 10, uh, eight, 10, yeah, 10 to 10, 12 weeks away. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a little early to be talking about it. I just thought it was, you know, interesting... He's going to be one of those players that people will constantly drum up uh, uh, interest in. And personally, I think he will, if anyone's smart, they'll look at the kind of player that he it, that he naturally is and say, we can make something out of. Um, I wish it was LA. <laughs> yeah. I love him, okay? <laughs> no, I totally get it. I, I, I follow a couple of LA Kings uh, – uh, people, including yourself, and it seems that uh, ev- everyone has a very positive opinion of a player. It's just that for Boston, it's going to be really tough because they just signed Charlie Coyle to an extension that puts him roughly around a 5.2 AAV. Um, they Ooh. just signed Chris Wagner to 1.3 uh, AAV until 2022. They have effectively no cap room. They have no cap space whatsoever, and if they want to move on, they basically have to uh, they, they basically have to move one of those contracts, or they have to move um, one of the very hard to move contracts, like David Backus's contract, which is modified no no trade, or they have to move Charlie Coyle, which is something that I don't think anyone in the area would approve of. 
or they have to move John Moore, who is about as low value right now as you can be because he just came off of injury and he doesn't look like he's really improved all that much. And you, and if you do that, you're going to have to really make a package out of it. I think I think that's where the trade deadline for Boston is going to be really interesting because either they make a bunch of moves that make perfect sense or they make no moves at all because they've got a lot of RFAs that either need signing or need to be moved or they have a bunch of, or they have a couple of really important free agents that either need to be signed before then or moved. And you will have to deal with the ramifications of doing that. Mm. So anyway, Tyler Toffoli's probably going to end up a Boston Bruin. Oh God, please. No. Okay. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta say this really quick for everybody who is, you know, wanting to trade Tyler to Foley or whatever. The Kings have a plan to hopefully get back to the playoffs next year and start contending again. You can't do that. If you move out all your talent at once. <sighs> no, no. I think this is a good idea, especially teams <laughs> in the Atlantic division. You should start doing this all the time. <laughs> Yes, especially all of the rivals, you know. Uh, specific, Buffalo. Specifically Buffalo and uh, the Toronto and Montreal. That'd be perfectly fine. Just do that, please. <laughs> I, I, can't, I cannot overstate to you how much I don't want to see the Toronto Maple Leafs again. Yeah, but, you know, you know they, they got, what's his name? Finally signed to a deal, Mitch Marner. So. I don't care. <laughs> do you, well, I... I <laughs> Don't you like, love could you, Im- could you imagine if your first round was the Ducks every single year? Um, do you, do, do you know what kind of hell that would put you through? You'd, yeah. you'd go gray within five minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, I think for many years, their first or second round opponent was always the Sharks. Always the Sharks. Always, guy. I mean, always. Pretty, that's, that's pretty bad, but you have to understand... Like it's not that the it's not that I I choose the ducks in this example because the ducks are just unpleasant and historically have been a profoundly unpleasant team to play and just seven games of that and that's the important thing it's never gonna be a four one thing you're never gonna get blown out you're gonna drag this to the bitter end and oh man. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting I'm getting aggravated thinking about it. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, and then I think we should probably. Uh, All right. Yeah. We should probably wrap up. All right. Hey, do you want to shout out your social handles real quick? Oh yes, I can. Yes, I can. You can find me at Sky on Air underscore, and you can find us at Cup of Chowda on Twitter dot com and. If you want to check out our content, you can go on over to stanleycupofchowder.com where we will have all sorts of Boston Bruins news and analysis. And uh, we will also be getting our World Junior stuff, which is one of my favorite parts of the year. So please keep on uh, keep a lookout for that stuff. And I'd also like to thank you very much, Robin, for bringing me on. Well, Sky, thank you so much for joining me. It was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right. You have a good one. You too. All right.